Welcome to a new episode of MedTech on Air. This is Domenico Iannone from the MedTech Europe studio. And with me today, I have the pleasure to invite Merlin Richel, who is Senior Manager Medical Devices at MedTech Europe. Welcome, Merlin. Ciao, Domenico. Thank you for the invitation. Merlin, we know that before being placed into the European market, medical devices go through a really specific process. Can you give us a bit of an overview on uh, the history of medical regulations in Europe and on what is the current status on it? Thanks, Domenico. So yeah, this short answer is um, since 2017, it's uh, regulated by a regulation, the so-called MDR. And if you're asking for a longer answer, then I would say that prior to the MDR, devices were regulated under two directives. The Medical Devices Directive, uh, more commonly known as the MDD, and the Active Implantable Medical Device Directive, the AIMDD. And these directives were both published in the 1990s and they regulated the medtech sector for over 20 years. But over these 20 years, technologies evolved tremendously. I'm thinking here of artificial intelligence, uh, software development, cybersecurity, which was not in the focus before. And, um, and, and stakeholders also asked for more transparency and traceability requirements, which were not built in the directives originally. So the directives were uh, replaced by a regulation, the MDR, which is directly transposed into national law. In other words, without room for interpretation, that's really the spirit, and which de facto merged the MDD and the AIMDD into one piece of single uh, legislation. Um, and at this point, I think it's important to mention that as an industry, we always welcomed and supported the new rules. And ever since the beginning of the implementation of the MDR, it was really a top, top priority for the industry in MedTech Europe. Um, also because the new and tightened rule uh, will help increase trust and uh, in how uh, medical devices are regulated in Europe. Um, now, while the MDR is not a complete revolution of how our sector is regulated, um, the text of the new regulation, and believe it or not, is, is nearly twice as long as the one of the directives, and it brings new details, new obligation. Um, it actually modernizes and strengthens our system and introduces concepts like, for example, a new database, uh, the so-called uh, Udemed database, which enables more transparency. It also introduces a concept such as UDI, the unique device identification system, um, which facilitates greater traceability in its supply chain. And very importantly, also it strengthens the notified body system. Um, also, what we see is that we have quite significant changes in the requirements for clinical evidence, etc., etc. I mean, all very, very key concepts uh, which were introduced by the MDR and which were not part of the uh, um, original directives. Let's make a step back after this overview. In 2017, we arrive at the publication of the MDR or Medical Device Regulation. Can you tell me more about what were the triggers that led to the, the creation of this new regulatory system? Yes, sure. 
Um, very important question. Um, as I was saying before, um, although the directives worked generally very well for 20 years, um, the speed at which our sector developed uh, clearly required refreshing the rules. And um, despite the fact that there were some revisions of the directives that took place during those 20 years, um, regulators and stakeholders felt a strong need to even further modernize the rules. Um, and for instance, to strengthen the notified body uh, system and, and to publish a proposal for a full revision of the directives. And this actually happened in 2012. And it took around five years for Parliament, Council, and European Commission in the so-called trilogue procedure to come to an agreement on a final uh, text. And the MDR finally entered into force in May 2017 with a transition time of three years until May 2020 for stakeholders to comply with MDR requirements. In other words, stakeholders had until May 2020 to transfer their directive-approved devices to MDR-approved devices. And during that time, both the directives and the regulation regulatory rules coexisted. But in practice, what we experienced was a slow and, how may I say, it, a piecemeal implementation of the new regulatory framework. And if you add some unforeseen situations such as a pandemic, thinking obviously of the COVID, the UK leaving the EU with Brexit, a war in Ukraine, etc., etc., and and their massive impact on our sector, you see that a a perfect storm was created to steer towards a situation where availability of life-saving devices would be compromised both at at European and at international level. Um, anyway, so the MDR eventually entered into force. Uh, in May 2021, after a, a one-year postponement and, and very recently transition timelines were extended um, as well. So, Merlin, I understand it's six years since the publication of MDR, so it's a quite long time. Now, looking back uh, the, at all those years, there has been any critical uh, implementation challenge that the sector had to face? Yeah, absolutely, Domenico, and, and, and many, unfortunately, many of them. Um, um, despite uh, our serious efforts to get ready, um, especially small and medium enterprises um, remained um, seriously held back by some infrastructure challenges uh, that were impacting their ability to um, rapidly change to the new or adapt to the new rules. Um, the challenge here was that when the MDR entered uh, into force in 2017, a vast majority of the key building blocks were not in place and the new MDR elements were not all up and running and some things were ready, uh, but some actually not, making the full implementation of the regulations sometimes merely impossible. And, and here, if you want an example, I'm thinking of notified bodies that, um, as you may know, needed to be designated again under the new rules, under the MDR. So they had to undergo a complete re-evaluation process. The expert panels were not available um, at the very beginning. 
We were missing many guidance documents which were important for the implementation of MDR. We didn't have harmonized standards. The new database Udemed was not available and by the way is still not functional. And the COVID pandemic uh, that I mentioned before. Almost all actors and stakeholders in the medtech sectors, doctors, hospitals, um, patients, uh, notified bodies, and we as industry, everyone um, collected data to prove what we were saying and to showcase the, um, the challenges we were facing. And we called upon EU member states, the European Commission, and the Parliament once more to find urgent uh, solutions. And they materialized eventually, on the one hand, in the publication of non-legal solutions, and on the other hand, uh, with an additional amendment uh, of the MDR. And indeed, this new amendment was recently published in March 2023. Uh, can you give us more details about this new amendment? Yes, thanks, Domenico. Uh, indeed, this is a, a very welcome development um, for all the stakeholders active in the medtech sector, but most importantly for patients. Um, so in a nutshell, the amendment introduces three key uh, concepts. And the first main idea is the extension of the transitional periods. Um, so if manufacturers fulfill certain conditions, and you have to fulfill all of them, um, according to the risk class of the device, legacy devices can be manufactured and placed on the EU market for a longer period of time than the initially foreseen May 2024 deadline. In other words, and to be more specific, if you are a high-risk uh, device, you will have until December 2027. Um, or if you are a lower or medium risk, you will have until December uh, 2028 to uh, comply with the MDR. The second one is the extension of the validity of the certificate. Um, and products within the scope are uh, directive certificates that were valid uh, on the 26th of May 2021 and not withdrawn by notified bodies. And here as well, there are some conditions that are quite similar to the ones that I mentioned before. You can probably read um, if you're interested in, in finding out more. Uh, we have published a lot of material on our website um, uh, to, to see those conditions. But here, it's important to note that if you don't meet the conditions, then obviously your directive certificate is uh, no longer valid. And the third uh, key idea is the cancellation of the sell-off date. Um, and what do we mean by sell-off date? It's the end date after which devices are ready on the market, but not yet with the final user, should be withdrawn. Um, and, and removing this sell-off date will obviously further reduce the risk of shortages and uh, prevent unnecessary disposal of safe medical devices. Um, and this will in turn have a positive impact on patient safety and um, on the environment. So this is the situation two months after the publication of the amendment. Where do we stand with the implementation? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, um, actually, the devil is in the detail with regards to implementation. And, and the more 
um, we progress, the more we get questions from our members. So here, clarification is needed, but the European Commission is actively working on that. So from today, actually, or from the 20th of March, a notified body should accept applications. Um, but it, it obviously might take them a bit of time to get ready. Um, there are relatively few notified bodies still under the MDR, and May 2024 is not a long deadline. So here, again, the message really is that manufacturers should not keep their foot off the gas pedal and wait until the last minute to file for MDR conformity assessment. And um, it's also important for manufacturers to understand which requirements apply for the devices under the extended transition periods. And I was mentioning before that the European Commission is working on tools. Um, indeed, we have a Q&A that has been published uh, during the month of April. We have contributed to it as MedTech Europe um, and are continuing. I think this is a living document. There is a second version of that document that will be uh, published hopefully during the month of, of, uh, of June. So we need really a, a toolbox to communicate to the outside world how the MDR amendment is being implemented and to get some clarity. And, and the Q&A is one tool, but we also have some fact sheets that will be updated, um, that will educate jurisdictions around the world. But we also, coming soon, will have a manufacturer declaration, which is mentioned in the Q&A, and the notified body letter, which was long awaited, uh, is also uh, very was also very recently published. So these are important tools for the implementation. As you well explained, Merlin, this is a crucial milestone for MDR. But is this the end of the story, or in the near future we can expect something else? We're now in May 2023, and as we just said, the amendment gives more air to breathe, if I may say, to all actors to certify products under the MDR, but this amendment was really not designed to solve all challenges and issues that stakeholders face with the implementation of the MDR. And we see that um, measures need now to be put in place to address the gaps in the recent amendment, for example, um, the, the lack of availability of existing devices that are not being transitioned to the MDR because of costs, uh, including orphan devices or, or niche products. And um, we need to continue building infrastructure to support the certification system for all devices. So there are still some fundamental changes our sector is facing that uh, need to be tackled. And at MedTech Europe, with our members, we're currently looking into which solution could be put in place to ensure a more um, efficient, predictable, and uh, fit-for-purpose uh, system. And we're currently focusing our thoughts on three key areas, uh, the first one being how to ensure efficiency in the system. Um, the second idea is how to bring back innovation um, into Europe and, and, and make sure that the launch of innovation is, is happening in Europe. And the third one is uh, how to ensure an effective governance of the system. But we're not the only ones thinking of ideas and, and performing root cause analysis on, on what uh, can be improved in the MDR and IVDR. 
um, for example, the European Commission is conducting or soon will be starting initiatives such as a, a survey on MDR implementation progress. They will grant some funds um, for capacity building of notified bodies. They have a program focused on, on small and uh, medium enterprises, which sometimes do not still have access to notified bodies. Uh, there's a specific uh, support program for orphan devices. Um, and last but not least, also a study planned on innovation and, and governance. So the last things I just mentioned are more mid to long term considerations. But today, again, more short term, we need to make sure that um, the MDR amendment is implemented in a pragmatic, harmonized and very clear way. So, yeah, Domenico, uh, you're absolutely right. This is not the end of the story. Um, the amendment is very uh, welcome, but there are many, many more challenges on the table that need to find solutions. And we're all looking into how to tackle these as effectively as possible. Well, thank you, Merlin, because today we faced a really technical topic that you made really easy. Thank you, Domenico. Uh, indeed, it was a, a real pleasure being here and thanks for the opportunity. Yes, uh, MDR is really a, a very technical topic. I, I hope I was clear enough in my answers. If not, um, I am or we are always here to help. Um, and I hope we'll meet again soon uh, in a close future to discuss the mid and long term initiatives um, we mentioned at the end of this uh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Merlin. And uh, if our listeners want to know more about this specific topic, they can visit our website, medtecheurope.org, or follow us on our social media. So this is all for today. And let's catch up for the next episode of MedTech on Air. <laughs>